My name is West Givens, and welcome back to the Tungsten Originals podcast. For this week's episode, I interviewed Susanna Herbert and Lauren Belfer, the co-directors of an award-winning documentary, Wrestle. Wrestle is an intimate coming-of-age documentary about four members of a high school wrestling team at Huntsville's J.O. Johnson High School a long-standing entry on Alabama's list of failing schools. We discussed how they learned about this story, the biggest challenges that they faced during filming, and what they learned throughout the process. You'll notice that this episode sounds a little bit different from our previous ones, and that's because we recorded this episode outside in New York City at Washington Square Park. Naturally, you're going to hear sounds of the city, but you can still hear the interview quite clearly. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Episode 25 of the Tungsten Originals podcast. Suzanne and Lauren, thank you all so much for doing this. Uh, We are recording this in Washington Square Park. This is the first episode that I've done outside, so it'll be interesting to adapt to everything, but I figured we could just um, jump right in. So we're obviously going to talk about your documentary, Wrestle, which I got to see at Indie Memphis, um, which is absolutely amazing. But before we get to that, I want to talk about how both of you first got into filmmaking, because I think that's an interesting story and varies person to person, and also how y'all met and collaborated on this. Sure. Um, so I came to filmmaking a bit circuitously. I studied um, cinema studies like from the academic standpoint here at NYU. But then after school, I was a community organizer for a few years. I was sort of not really sure of my place in the film world mm-hmm. and sort of wanted to get out and sort of do advocacy work and so okay. I worked as a as an organizer which is exhausting but rewarding <laughs> yeah. um, and then realized that that kind of work is spreading a message person to person and I started thinking back to my film days and wondering like how I could sort of start bringing issues up and asking larger questions but reaching people Mm -hmm. from a wider standpoint so then i segued back into film and decided to focus on documentary and here we are wow were you making documentaries when you were younger like before college i wasn't no um i was interested in them and uh, like devoured them as a viewer Mm -hmm. but um you know we weren't like a family that had like a video camera really or anything like that so it's funny, I'm from outside Los Angeles, so there's a lot of movie oh, stuff happening around right. me, but my family is definitely really separate from that. So okay. I was highly aware of it, but mm-hmm. didn't really jump in until I moved to New York. Okay. Yeah, and for me, when I was in high school, I was really academically focused, even though yeah. both my parents are in the art world and my dad is a painter. Um, so I was always very much exposed to art and film and mm-hmm. music from them and all their friends and the places we would visit. That would always be the focus. Yeah. And then I remember watching, growing up, we didn't have cable, and so I only watched yeah, PBS. Same. <laughs> yep. Still, still don't at yeah. my house. <laughs> so once I saw Frontline and, you know, Ken Burns, I was like, yeah. oh, these are these are historical Mm -hmm. like stories that are told in a visual sense and I want to do that you know because it was kind of like combining um, history and things that I was really interested in school Mm -hmm. with art and so my junior and senior year I started making films with one of my best friends Rachel okay Um, and at first they were silly yeah and then uh, senior year we were like let's make a serious documentary <laughs> so we made a doc um, about artists and musicians in Memphis and how Memphis influences their art and we basically just interviewed all my parents friends oh nice um, <laughs> and then that played at Indie Memphis okay. in the student um, yeah. festival category, section yeah. category yeah. yeah and that was the first time I was like oh I could I could do this yeah. you know this this could be a world in which I can can go into Mm -hmm. you know yeah and so then i studied film at nyu and Mm -hmm. and have been making documentaries ever ever since so did y'all go to nyu at the same time no Uh, okay four years older okay Mm -hmm. so we just missed each other okay gotcha so (laughs) how did your paths cross uh we actually met about seven years ago working on the newly released uh, martin scorsese film uh, about the rolling thunder review a tour that bob dylan did in 1975 so 
So that was a long process of working on that. It was a lot of starts and stops for that one. Yeah. Um, and then we also worked with each other on a couple of Michael Moore films. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I looked at your IMDb's in preparation. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's talk about Wrestle, since that is why we're here. For those who may not have seen it, which I hope after listening to this episode, they do go see it because it's amazing. Could you give us a little intro about what it's about? Yeah, Wrestle is a documentary that follows four high school wrestlers in Alabama um, on their journey to the Alabama State Championships. And throughout the film, we definitely explore their lives mm-hmm. off the mat in a lot of ways, more yeah. more so than on the yeah. mat. But yeah, it deals with issues of race and class mm-hmm. and mental health and teen pregnancy and yeah. what it means to grow up in America today. Mm-hmm. How did y'all find out about this story? I heard about the team um, through just like my southern southern friends, yeah. and they were getting some local press coverage mm-hmm. just because they were a young wrestling team in, in Huntsville, mm-hmm. yet the they were beating wrestlers who had yeah. been wrestling their whole lives. Mm-hmm. And um, it was also the last year of the high school. Huntsville City Schools was shutting down Johnson because it was... Um, on Alabama's failing schools list mm-hmm. and so it was like their last season yeah. and their last chance to win a state championship mm-hmm. and um, I thought wrestling was a really unique and interesting sport mm-hmm. um, that I had never really even thought about yeah because um, typically in the south it's football yeah or baseball mostly football mostly football yeah. yeah so I thought wrestling would be a really unique way to explore broader issues yeah. outside of outside of the sport um, yeah. and it's like it is a beautiful metaphor wrestling yeah wrestling yourself and yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so you found out about the story and then y'all decided to actually move to Huntsville mm-hmm. right how early was that decision made I went down for a summer camp in, okay in the July before the season started okay in July 2015 Teen. And we filmed for like two weeks mm-hmm. and met most of the team okay. and their parents and siblings and got a feel for what was, what you know, like the team dynamics and mm-hmm. the kids. And um, it was like in the fall when I came back to New York, mm-hmm. um, I showed Lauren a lot of the footage and we were talking about how important it is not to helicopter in and out Yeah. Um, if we really wanted to make a a verite film mm-hmm. and so we decided to move there probably I think like September or the mm-hmm. end of September which was like a month before the season started oh okay gotcha yeah so so you met the five main quote unquote characters at that summer camp in July um definitely no we 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 spent the most time with Jamario okay and Jaquan Okay, Um, Because it was the seniors and Jaquan who went to summer camp. Mm -hmm. And then we briefly met Jalen in the summer, but we didn't really get to spend that much time with him. And Teague didn't go to the summer camp. um, And we briefly met him then. So it wasn't really until the season began that we got to know Jalen and Teague. Yeah, And they kind of presented themselves. um, Yeah then like as as potential characters yeah yeah what does that first meeting go like like do you say hey i want to make a documentary about your life (laughs) yeah essentially (laughs) (laughs) and how do they respond Mm -hmm. to that it was really interesting um because like for instance jamario was just like so eager to talk to 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 me about his life and to share what he was going through and he loves wrestling and like he's very passionate about it but it was also he had a lot of other things he was dealing with at yeah, the time. Absolutely. Um, even that summer, you know. Mm-hmm. So having us there kind of listening and documenting, mm-hmm. I think maybe was sort of comforting in a way. Mm-hmm. But then like Jaquan, he would he he hated the <laughs> wrestling camp. So yeah. like he liked talking to us because then he didn't have to, didn't have um, to do it. He didn't have to do it. Yeah. Exactly. And he would be the first to say that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um so, yeah. Were any of the families apprehensive about you following their kids around for a year? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like Susanna mentioned, um, initially the focus was on the seniors on, on the yeah. team. And there were two others besides Demario, um, Tyreek and Tez. And you see them in the film, but more yeah. in the background. Yeah. And um, 
for a variety of reasons, we ended up not sort of focusing on them primarily for the story. And part of that was that there was, you know, hesitancy in their families or hesitancy oh, okay. with them. I think when they were like a little bit older, they were a little bit more skeptical yeah. about the process. I think yeah. they just were also dealing with some difficult things. And yeah. some people are willing to be really vulnerable mm-hmm. on camera and, sh- and share that. And I think some people aren't really as comfortable with sort of airing all of that out yeah. in a really public way and so yeah. there was definitely like a bit of a dance to figure out you know not just who do we want to focus on mm-hmm. but who also is you know open and wants us to be yeah. there too because that it does crown. really have to be like a sort of a mutual decision mm-hmm. you know because we're we're a lot it's a lot to yeah. want people to be there at every moment when you wake up when you go to yeah. sleep at your highest points but also there for some of your lowest ones yeah, and so absolutely. you know that dance mm-hmm. took yeah. a minute i think to sort of solidify yeah yeah even i would say a couple like two two months a mm-hmm. month and a half yeah. really yeah until they were fully like mm-hmm. kind of well, not, brought you in to their no, community no until we realized okay these are oh, these gotcha. are the four okay. that we're gonna yeah. concentrate on mm-hmm. um yeah it okay. took time just to yeah like what yeah. lauren said okay wrestle focuses on Four students and their coach. It's Teague, Jalen, Jaquan, and Jamario. And um, their coach is Chris Scribner, or Scrib as they call him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really interesting how y'all introduce each character because, like, we learn as the film goes on, we learn how dynamic their lives are, how dynamic the, like, so- their socioeconomic status is in their community, and, and like, the layers of, the li- of their lives and, like, what they're dealing with sitting in the editing room and like knowing the story because you obviously kind of know how it quote unquote ends once you have all the footage how did you decide to introduce each character and was that like a a long process to figure out because I think I mean how you introduce it it can really affect like how we see them because that's the first time we get to see them you Mm -hmm. know but y'all know all aspects of them so what was that process like it was a couple years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, it definitely uh, took some time to figure out, and we tried many different iterations. And it's also a lot to introduce five people, um, yeah. plus their families in some instances, yeah. and plus the team and the goals of the mm-hmm. team. And the world. And the world. Like, what, yeah. what is Huntsville like? That also, you know, yeah. needed to be explained sort of up front. Yeah in a way that was swift but also mm-hmm. engaging yeah mm-hmm. I mean I think in terms of like the actual so there's you sort of if you haven't seen the film there's sort of scenelets of each of the yeah. wrestlers yeah. that sort of en- encapsulates the their their stories yeah um, and I think that we sort of settled on those pretty early on in the process okay. but that could be from like an editing standpoint that can be a little formulaic so mm-hmm. the oh, idea yeah. of the scenes we had sort of committed to but okay. how to actually get them to flow between yeah. one another was a bit of a struggle mm-hmm. and um, the two of us really worked together editing on the film for two years yeah. um, but then uh, we brought on editor Pablo Proenza who's amazing mm-hmm. and sort of was able to help us sort of craft the stories that we wanted to tell in a way mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. were really dynamic so yeah. the way that they flow in and out and it's sort of like this journey of this practice you know, mm-hmm. this practice session that they're in, you know, he, he really helped uh, yeah. sort of conceive of that mm-hmm. journey. Yeah. So going back between the practice room briefly to yeah. get a feel for that while also kind of introducing wrestling mm-hmm. and then going to the home then going back to the wrestling yeah. room then going to the home. That was finally settled and figured out by Pablo um, towards, towards the end. Okay. End. Gotcha. Yeah. But in terms of like, what how we picked those scenelets mm-hmm. I guess as ways we didn't want it to be um, we wanted it to be more of like a living moment yeah. and yeah, not like definitely. tell us about your yeah, wrestling life exactly yeah so we found those those moments in the footage mm-hmm. that like gave us a sense of their home life their families yeah um, what was important to them so mm-hmm. like for Jalen for instance like you immediately. He does show us his wrestling medals, but yeah. he also talks about being a black male in the se- yeah. in the South and like mm-hmm. what that means and what he's trying to grapple with. Yeah, and like so that immediately like gives you an insight into like yeah. his thinking and what he's he's going through mm-hmm. without him like explicitly 
without us like asking. Yeah. He was just like showing us his room when yeah. we came up. Yeah. Yeah. Early on in the process, when y'all were still kind of like, once you had decided that these were going to be the people that you were going to focus on, obviously they got close with you just as people. But did you have to make time to like, okay, we're going to film this so they get used to the cameras or we're just going to go get lunch or whatever. So they're used to us as people, because mm-hmm. I think it's, it's very different from like, you know, my Southern extended family for them to get comfortable around a camera versus just comfortable around like, a person yeah you know especially when you're so close Mm -hmm. and and stuff like that so did you have did you have like a a method for that not like a formulaic method but we definitely did both we definitely spent a lot of time with everyone without the camera yeah and then we spent a lot of time with the camera yeah and a lot of that was practice like yeah they would be together from one to five every day yeah because they had athletic block Mm -hmm. um for the first part so they wouldn't be practicing the whole time Mm -hmm. but they would all be hanging out, mm-hmm. lifting weights, wrestling practice, whatever. Yeah. So we would be there, not filming every minute, but mm-hmm. we would always be there for that full five or six hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yes, yeah, we like would spend time with everyone without the camera, yeah. um, their families and the wrestlers themselves. That was really important to us. And like in terms of like when really hard stuff did happen yeah. when we were filming it wasn't awkward or uncomfortable yeah. um, for anyone for us to be there because it was it was pretty pretty normal because yeah we were always there yeah <laughs> yeah you were mm-hmm. you were one of the family yeah and I think too uh, our cinematographer Sinisha Kukic also like made a point of showing them the equipment and like kind of oh, gave everybody okay. like a chance gotcha. to use yeah. it use so it, it and like figure it out for themselves yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. so they all sort of got to see the other side of the lens yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> like you just kind of mentioned y'all capture a lot of really intimate moments be it like a really happy moment or or sad or just like you know some are actually just scary. What's going through your head? There, there, there are a couple scenes where the police show up, and it's a specifically tense part of the movie because of the characters and, and just because of the way it, it, the scenes uh, play out, but also just because of you know what we know about police and, and their violence towards black men and stuff like that and, and the statistics that are on everyone's minds. What's going through your mind when the police pull up and, and you hit record on the camera? Yeah, so the first time was with Jaquan, Mm -hmm. and we were just, like, at Jamario's house for his birthday, and Jaquan leaves, and then literally, like, four minutes later, we pack up, we say goodbye to Jamario's Mm -hmm. family, and then we drive. Sanisha and I are like, oh, that was a long day. Yeah. (laughs) We're done. Yeah. And then we see these police lights down the street and I was like oh my gosh what's going on there was three cop cars oh wow and then as we get closer I was like that can't be Jaquan that's not Jaquan and it was and so we park and we unbuckle the camera in the back seat and Sunisha starts filming and I'm just what's going through my mind um complete fear for Jaquan but also knowing that we're there with the camera, which is holding the whole situation yeah. accountable in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like in the moment, I felt like that was the yeah. best like position we could we could be in mm-hmm. to help Jaquan. And then the same with uh, Jalen, mm-hmm. which was which was a lot scarier because it just was like in the middle of like it was off the interstate yeah. in the middle of Alabama yeah. near. Um, near Montgomery and um it was just me and like three teenagers yeah three young black men and I was terrified for for them and the cop was pretty aggressive yeah and he like directly Um, acknowledged the camera too he said something along the lines of like you getting this you're glad you're getting this or something it was very very aggressive I yeah. hope you show in this documentary how disrespectful this yeah. young man is being. Yeah. Yeah. He said that in different ways a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and, like, he wanted an answer from me. Like, I would yeah. nod my head and he was like, what? What? You yeah. Know? Like, just very, not a way anyone should act. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, that definitely, you know, Jalen, after the 
the experience has told us like I'm so glad you were there like as yeah. a white person with a camera I yeah. can't imagine what would have happened it's so scary to even mm. consider think about yeah so yeah I was just hoping that the camera and me as a white woman yeah could hold it yeah keep a record of something yeah, yeah absolutely the Jaquan experience too was really I think a difficult process in terms mm-hmm. of like a filmmakers setting up boundaries um, yeah. because if you watch there's footage of um, Sinisha shot Jaquan pulling off from Demario's house and going down the road yeah. and it's it takes about 30 seconds so mm-hmm. it doesn't really fit in the flow of the film and you don't know what's about to happen but yeah. if you go back and you watch it you can see that he was pulled over initially for having a dimmed tail light yeah. but it's not dimmed and you oh, can also really? see as he's pulling left around the corner, you see that there was a cop sitting there um, just down the road, which was a dead end road. And as soon as he drives by, she starts following him. Oh, wow. So yeah. unbeknownst to us, we actually caught wow. the encounter on mm-hmm. camera. And immediately afterwards, Man. you know, we were in sense that it had happened and talked to Jaquan's yeah. mom, Sheba, who's such a strong... Yeah you know a strong leader for her household and such an you know a really amazing presence in his life and yeah. wanted to sort of offer this footage to her to sort of fight fight the charge but she felt very strongly Uh-oh. that Jaquan who is very smart but can lack drive sometimes yeah. that he needed a reality check and so sort okay. of as his parent she felt like he actually needs to go through this probation process. This is something that he, I, yeah. that she felt he needed to do, and so even though we, you know, from our perspective, we like saw this injustice that we really yeah. wanted to sort of like step in and fight against, had to sort of pull back and just know that wow. you know, as her, as his parents, she knows what's best, and this is a family matter, and it's actually not on us to yeah. intervene or meddle in, and that is was hard, but ultimately she was right because it was yeah. a very difficult process, the mm-hmm. probation one. We didn't have a ton of access to it, but it was very complex, and he just mastered it. Yeah, and I think it really was a good character building, you know, process for him, and helped him sort of like. Mm-hmm make that transition from being a bit of an aimless teenager to you know like becoming more of a man honestly yeah y'all ended up capturing over 650 hours of footage while you were in Huntsville Mm -hmm. um I know you were saying that you got super comfortable and became like one of the community and one of the family and everything was there any time that you maybe were filming and you know you looked over at at the DP or just at each other and thought like should we turn the cameras off like is this too much? Yeah, there were times with Jamario when he would be really upset. Yeah. And then we went, we wouldn't film. We wouldn't even start filming. Yeah, <laughs> um, okay. Like one time we went over to his house and he was just so upset. And I think his uncle had just passed away. Oh, okay. And he lived down in Linden, Alabama, and he hadn't seen him in years. And mm-hmm. yeah, we just spent time with him. And he wanted hugs and yeah. gave him hugs and took him to get a sub or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there are a few times when, especially in the beginning, when Jamario would be upset and he would say, I don't want the camera on. And we would always respect that and turn the camera off, um, put it away and just talk or sometimes leave and say, okay, we'll we'll, we'll check in tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Let us know if you need anything. Yeah. Because our main concern was was them and not, not the film. Yeah. And like, you know being respectful yeah. and upholding the trust because mm-hmm. of course if you don't have that then the whole movie yeah suffers exactly you know, so that makes sense like i did say you of course you captured a bunch but was there any time that that you that something happened and that you couldn't capture or like maybe the camera died or because mm-hmm. things just happen all the yeah. time you know like technology fails <laughs> so yeah. was there anything that you missed that you really wish you hadn't yeah there's one thing yeah <laughs> um yeah, no, but shout out to Sneesha. I mean, <laughs> technology-wise, he was, like, incredible in yeah. terms of that. I don't think we ever had issues in that respect. Yeah. Which is part luck and part just him being amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there was one time where Teague had been missing all day mm-hmm. in action. He was skipping, and no one knew who he was, And um, which was kind of typical, yeah. like a weekly occurrence. Yeah. Um, and 
And then after practice one day, that day, I was tired. And it was like 7.30, and I was like, okay, let's just go home. Yeah. You know, Heather was going to go look for him, but we mm-hmm. had already kind of gotten. Heather's Teague's mom. Oh, yeah, sorry. Okay, Heather's gotcha. Teague's mom. She was going to go look for him or go home and wait for him. And I was like, should we go? And then I was like, nah. But that night, the police literally brought Teague home oh, wow. to their house. And they didn't give him a ticket or I don't even, yeah, they didn't re- arrest him. They didn't, I mean, I'm sure they said words and yeah. reprimanded him, but yeah. like they did not arrest him. Huh. And he was out s- skipping schools, smoking yeah. weed, yeah. doing other things that I don't even know. And yeah. just to not be able to show like the way that um, a white male is yeah, treated. Absolutely. Compared yeah. to Jaquan just driving um, driving an old car in yeah. a predominantly black neighborhood. Yeah. What, how, how he is treated. Mm-hmm. It would have been um, pretty obvious. Like, not obvious, but just like a good... It would have been a powerful comparison. Yeah, powerful you know? yeah. comparison, yeah. Very clear. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I should just say, just for people who haven't seen the film, that um, for the wrestlers, Jaquan, Jamario, and Jalen are all black. Oh, Teague yes. is white, and also Coach Grip is white. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually am from a s- small town just south of Memphis, so we're kind of in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zen and I are from the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up and going to film school and, and you know, kind of getting out of the south and stuff like that, and as I've, as I've matured, I've learned a whole bunch about my privilege as, like, a, a, a white male southerner and how that affects my place in the world and stuff like that, coming from like a middle-class family and like never having to worry about food and stuff like that. What did you learn about your own privilege whenever shooting this? Yeah, similarly, um, just learning how lucky yeah. <laughs> we all, yeah. like I am mm-hmm. and um, our filmmaking team is that we're in this position that we're able to document and make art and hopefully like share these stories Mm -hmm. um to like widen people's perceptions and minds um about uh southern stories in general i also i learned so much (laughs) just that i don't yeah as a white white woman i don't have to worry about so many things and to you know you read about the stats you read books you even talk to people exactly yeah. um but it's different when you're there yeah and like that's what with wrestle was what we hope for audiences yeah. that they can experience what young black males go through yeah. on a daily basis yeah in a way that is more like emotional and you can connect to it in a different way than mm-hmm. just reading about it or hearing about the same statistic over and over again yeah so yeah, so I definitely checked my privilege a lot. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Susanna, in an interview with uh, Rooftop Films, you said, In the South, the history of our country is palpable. There's this somewhat tragic beauty in the contrast between the entanglement of the past and present. And I couldn't agree more as someone who also grew up in the South. How did growing up in the South mold your storytelling? Because I feel like it's a very rich rich place in mm-hmm. terms of stories that's a great question thank you <laughs> um, yeah I mean I would say I'm not the greatest storyteller mm-hmm. um, in terms of like speaking okay <laughs> um, but I felt like I could do it through film in a way that like yeah. my grandparents and mm-hmm. my, my mom and my dad like and my sister they all just have just a way to like bring you in and in terms of telling a story um, about our past or a friend. So I kind of absorbed all that growing up and channeled it in my own way Mm -hmm. through film and through like um, in a more visual sense, like I'm a Mm -hmm. very visual person instead of a word literary person. But I think that exposure and just like being so 
entrenched and I know it's kind of cliche to talk like oh yeah we sit on the porch and tell stories but like that's really that's, yeah. yeah you sit around accurate. yeah you <laughs> sit around the the table yeah. playing cards or yeah. um cooking mm-hmm. gardening sitting on the porch yeah yeah um, yeah so I guess yeah. that in a way is how it informed me yeah so I just translated it into my own way yeah and Lauren you said you were uh, originally from outside of Los Angeles. Had you spent a lot of time in the South before this? No, I hadn't. I mean, I'd visited, but yeah. not not extended periods of time. What was that like? Um, well, I wasn't there for the entire shoot. Mm-hmm. I was mostly working up here in New York. Our budget okay. was pretty limited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, it always is. <laughs> so uh, myself and executive producer Micheline Levine would uh, take turns flying down for like weeks at a time. Okay, but, gotcha. Um, Susanna and Sinesha were were the ones living there um, full-time for the the length of the season. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a bit of a change in culture, but also um, our lives were so focused on being with the team and with their families that when I came down there, it just sort of felt like, I don't know, just being welcomed into other people's homes was amazing. And so, you know, I guess maybe that's also Southern hospitality a little bit, mm-hmm. just how opening people yeah. were to someone, a new random body coming in <laughs> all the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think I just felt welcome right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, what was the, in terms of the actual shooting of it, what was the hardest part about production? Mm-hmm. Mm. It was hard being away for six months yeah. from our own families. and. Yeah and friends yeah and also to be so um, like immersed yeah. in in the whole in the team and the whole yeah. season and like to live alongside what they were going through was hard and kind of feeling hopeless sometimes in terms mm-hmm. of like what are we doing like how can we help i don't know yeah and you know just being a filmmaker and not not like trusting the process and yeah. like knowing what was that what we were doing would you know tell a beautiful story yeah that was hard yeah all of that was hard um <laughs> i don't know if it was the hardest but yeah what was something that you thought would be hard that ended up like actually being rather easy oh, if question. you can describe filmmaking as easy mm-hmm. i was really worried about filming the wrestling um but okay and like how we were going to show a wrestling match in the edit just because it is a six minute match and of course like in a football movie they don't show the whole i don't know how long football games are but <laughs> hour either. a couple yeah, hours something like that. um <laughs> yeah too long <laughs> um but then sanisha our cinematographer was incredible in terms of like really thinking about it from the mm. beginning and he watched a lot of dance movies mm-hmm. and rest and we both watched a lot of wrestling movies and he decided early on like he came up with a style of how yeah. to shoot the wrestling and he like wrote up a whole style book booklet okay and he figured out that like it was better to be on the floor with the camera mm-hmm. almost or to be like as low as possible because that's the level that the wrestling happens at. Yeah, yeah. And to show the wrestling at the bottom of the frame and then the stadium, stadium, like, yeah, sometimes the stadium, yeah. but a lot of times the gym and the coaches and the audience, uh, the crowd in the background, yeah. that was really helpful. And, mm-hmm. the, and we would shoot, he would shoot on the main camera that yeah. was like more wide okay. and he could move around. Yeah. And then follow the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. follow the story. Yeah. And then I would or another another cinematographer would be on a hi hat and be okay. on the B cam yeah. with the like almost a telephoto lens. I don't know, it could zoom pretty far. Yeah. Um yeah. and get more of the close ups mm-hmm. of the of the wrestling. Yeah. Were you wishing Lauren staying in New York that you could be there with oh, them? Definitely. Experience everything? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, for sure. Sisha and I actually date. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so part of the uh, part of the that part of figuring that out was that I had to have another job because yeah. our, you know, our funding didn't allow for three people to be down there. So yeah. it sort of had to be holding down the fort up here yeah. as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, it would have been great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, as I've said, y'all captured a, a whole bunch of footage. Obviously, you can't put it all in, in the final hour and a half. 
movie. Is there something that ended up on the cutting room floor that y'all wish hadn't? I mean, some of the stories for the two seniors that we mentioned before, mm-hmm. Terry and Tez, I mean, their stories were really compelling and yeah. engaging. And I think there's some early scenes with them yeah. that, you know, I think just an opportunity to show more people's stories yeah. would have been amazing just because honestly every single person on the team uh, yeah absolutely yeah deserves their own film i think about that about so many southerners i know mm-hmm. i can make a document mm-hmm. about every one of them yeah <laughs> so i mean but once you know in narrowing it down you know four four characters plus the coach was already a lot to handle yeah. there was no way to fit fit more in but i mean you know, it would have been great to be able to highlight everybody's mm-hmm. struggles, but then also their achievements. Um, mm-hmm. But then specifically, I'm trying to think. Yeah, we have a couple scenes in the DVD extras. Oh, mm-hmm. um, a good plug. Yeah. <laughs> and are they on iTunes too? Maybe? If you yeah, buy I, think the film? So. I think if you okay. buy the film on iTunes, I think you get them too. Great. Yeah, yeah there was one scene, uh, one of your, Lauren's favorites, the Walmart scene. Mm-hmm. When Jamario and um, and Samara uh, have just, you know, found out that she's pregnant, mm-hmm. and they go to Walmart and shop for food for Samara that's like healthy for yeah. a young, like a pregnant woman. Yeah. They have like Wick Alabama food stamps. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's yeah. called Wick. The program yeah. it's uh, women, infant, and children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's vouchers. Mm-hmm. It's vouchers for like milk and bread mm-hmm. and rice and juice and just yeah. like watching them navigate that as like teenagers mm-hmm. um is in a lot of ways heartbreaking and like yeah. shows them growing up really fast and like kind of in this moment and and not even just navigating as teenagers just seeing sort of what the bureaucratic restrictions yeah. are yeah. you know i mean she's wanting to buy minute made orange juice but she's not allowed it's not right. approved under the program and she actually has to buy juicy juice so she has to leave oh, wow. the fresh refrigerated section mm-hmm. and go and buy like the thing packed with you know additives yeah. and corn yeah. syrup and whatnot and yeah. that's the only thing that's actually approved um mm-hmm. so just to see that the, you know that that's how nutrition is weighed for these programs yeah. is also sort of like a really heavy thing to to realize yeah. we were sad to lose that there's also a lot of moments where the kids are just hanging out and listening to like music and yeah. they're one of the things i think that's amazing about wrestling too is because it's such a physical sport mm-hmm. that these young men were really physically affectionate to one another like if things were if they were sad or they were you know celebrating so many hugs so many pats on the back and they would just sort of like lay around with each other and like sort Mm -hmm. of not there wasn't like this sort of theme of like homophobia you know which i think you do unfortunately see a lot in young men but they were sort of Mm -hmm. they just didn't care you know like that wasn't an issue for them and they just physical affection was just a way that you show your friendship and I think there were some amazing moments where they're just listening to music you know and just being there for each other that we would have loved to include but Mm -hmm. when you're listening to pop music that's that's a very expensive small detail to reveal but absolutely yeah (laughs) I thought it was a really interesting like portrait of like masculinity in Mm -hmm. young teens Mm -hmm. in the south because you know, I've I went to public school up until I graduated, and that I feel like it was just like a really, like realistic take on that. So, Thanks. yeah, I mean, despite their sort of instinctual bucking against sort of a yeah. lot of those like sort of typical macho expectations, I mean, we did see so much how they were constantly told to sort of repress their feelings and repress their emotions. Yeah. So, you know, they were always being told not to cry. Yeah. You know, it was a big loss. Don't worry about it. Just yeah. brush it off. Don't yep. cry. Like, don't feel. And it's like, yeah. at the same time, you spend all of your time working towards these goals. And if you're upset that you lost, you should be able to mourn that. Mm-hmm. And if something big happens to you in your life, you should have the opportunity to just feel for a moment. Yeah. And ideally, the people around you support you to have that space to work through it emotionally yeah but i think we saw firsthand that like it's just not we don't treat young men that way and we're teaching them to suppress their feelings and i just don't think that's healthy yeah but in some ways i think that the film was good because we sort of would then pull them aside and ask them you know like give them a space where yeah those feelings 
which I think are actually very strong to be open about, mm-hmm. you know, your, your darkest moments. I yeah. think that's actually a sign of strength to me. Absolutely. Um, there's nothing not macho about that, yeah. I guess. But yeah. I think that we sort of offered an, an opportunity for them to express themselves. Mm-hmm. For, yeah. And then it comes across in the film very strong. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I do want to talk about Coach Scribb for a second because he's an interesting character in the fact that he's the adult of the group. So he's kind of more... He, like, understands the world a little bit more, but you also learn interesting aspects about his past as a young teenager. What was it like getting to know him versus the kids? Because he's an adult, and was he, like, more closed off to other adults? You know, was that, like, a different relationship than with than with the students? Yeah, it was It was definitely different yeah. feeling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, he, yeah. But I think he, from the very beginning, was really welcoming to the idea and encouraging of having a documentary come just because I think he saw and knew firsthand because he lived it every yeah. day how hard these kids were working and how sort of everybody was expecting the least of them and yet mm-hmm. they were starting to beat kids from, you know, more well-funded teams and yeah. across the state and sort of like despite despite the odds. So yeah. I think he saw an opportunity to sort of tell this, you know, okay. quote-unquote yeah. underdog score, yeah. story and was really welcoming to that. And yeah, I mean, I think also, you know, in terms of getting really into his personal story, mm-hmm. he revealed his past struggles insofar as they like highlighted number one his motivation as a coach and then number two an ability to at least in some respects relate to some of the struggles that the members of his team were going through Mm -hmm. but from our perspective the film was always about the wrestlers so getting really deep into like where he comes from and Mm -hmm. like what his you know what he feels at the end of every day was never really our intention we've seen that story before Mm -hmm. i think very often you see you know like the coach who's really driving you know driving this team to succeed and to win and then sort of like the teammates themselves end up falling by the wayside and i think that for us the intention was always to tell the story from the young people actually actually struggling and yeah, doing the exactly. living and yeah. you know mm-hmm. and charting their 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 progress um mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think the other thing that we were really drawn to with his story was that since he's he's from new york and comes from a much more privileged background and i think since the film is verite you see him always with the best intentions but sometimes yeah. really figuring out when his privilege comes into play and, you know, how to figure out his own, not his own boundaries, but actually more like the wrestler's boundaries on what's, yeah. you know, how to, how they want to be motivated, how they yeah. want to be coached as opposed to like how he felt he wanted to do it. Yeah. And I think it is a process that you see. It gets mm-hmm. really intense at sometimes yeah. and it could be something as like always invoking Obama as like the sole <laughs> inspirational (laughs) reference to young black men in America. Maybe there's something else you could rely on from time to time. And then it also ends up getting like a little physical with Jamario towards the end of the film, Um, Mm -hmm. which was incredibly intense. And I think he's always figuring in the process of figuring it out. And I would say at times making mistakes. And I Mm -hmm. think he would, and I think the wrestlers would too. Um, But then ultimately that process of being there every day, you know, he, takes some of them to school he takes them home from school and his dedication is endless so you know it was a process for him and I think that it's really to our benefit as filmmakers but also to viewers benefits to see Mm. sort of like that play out over the course of the film and see what it's like for a white privileged person with privilege to learn how to empathize and give space and respect to people that come from different backgrounds yeah and I love there's a scene that perfectly encaptures like what he's trying to do and it's when the the students are mm-hmm. like calling him out mm-hmm. and they're like you're trying to be a priest you're trying to be a social worker and like all these An things uncle, and it's like funny policeman yeah and they're, and, and they're kind of like grammar Nazi yeah yeah exactly <laughs> they're kind of like joking with him but you can see his face he just he just doesn't have a response to that and yeah, I thought that was a perfect encapsulation yeah they're joking but they're not yeah. and so sort of every yeah. moment I think you know for teenagers too to be that honest yeah and criticizing mm-hmm. an authority figure if, yeah. especially in is, the south yeah yeah is 
uncommon. And so regardless of what their internal feelings were about him when Mm -hmm. they did feel challenged or that he had pushed their buttons in a way that they didn't respect, whether they were willing to verbalize that to him directly was not incredibly frequent. So every time that there is a moment where the kids sort of express themselves and find ways to sort of help guide him on how to be the best coach for them mm-hmm. we always wanted to use that yeah. and that scene mm-hmm. i think is incredibly powerful yeah because they do it is it's sort of beautiful because they find a way to do it light and it's yeah. sensitive yeah. and exactly. it's not yeah i'm gonna sit down mm-hmm. and tell you about yourself totally. but i do hope that you're listening, listening. to what yeah. we all collectively are telling you yeah absolutely Russell has won nine awards on the festival circuit. I've got two questions about the festival circuit. One, just in general, what has it been like traveling across the country and seeing different people's reaction to this? But also at the premiere, uh, which was in San Francisco, correct? Mm -hmm. How did the quote-unquote characters of the film react? And were you at all nervous about that? Yes, we were definitely nervous. um, Because no one in the film had seen the film before it premiered to the world. Um, (laughs) Before it uh, played at San Francisco. Um, So the whole team and coaches and a lot of the family members and even council member Devin Keith from Huntsville from their district came. Oh, wow. We had a big group from Huntsville, (laughs) um, which was amazing. Yeah. It was also very nerve wracking um, in terms of their reaction of seeing their stories. It had been on the big screen in front of 300 people. Yeah. It had been two years. Yeah. Since since the season ended. Oh, okay. So there had been a lot of time that had passed, um, which is typical for a doc. But yeah, and we went back and forth a lot about showing it to them before Mm -hmm. or that premiere night. And then we decided to show it with an audience because we felt that it would be, they would be a lot less critical um, of themselves and their stories. Yeah. Just because the audience from screening it, you know, rough cuts and to people um throughout the whole process there's always you know cheers and tears and laughs and literal claps and cheers yeah so we knew that the room would be really supportive and it was and um after the film that was the first question that the moderator asked jamario or he she asked all the wrestlers and jamario took the mic and he was literally silent for like 30 seconds and i was like oh my god <laughs> is he about to tear into me yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he would, all he said was it's so beautiful wow and the audience you could feel like hear yeah. the audience just like gasp and like and like har- yeah har- they were like heartbroken or yeah. like just like their heart was it yeah. was it was awesome i feel like that's the highest compliment for your subject to mm-hmm. to say that mm-hmm. that's huge so a lot of young filmmakers are listening to this i go to scad i'm pretty sure most of our audience is like scad film students so as people who have gone out and made some incredible films what advice do you have to people who may want to do a similar thing my advice would be don't get so caught up in 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 like what you think in perfection i guess okay so you know i started really small like a little handhold video camera now you can do it on your phones Mm -hmm. and just like make short things and eventually those short things will grow into something bigger Mm -hmm. i feel like in every film you're gonna hate (laughs) for a long time forever you'll always see problems with it but like every time you make something you just learn so much and it grows from there Mm -hmm. so even though like your taste might be higher than like your ability at the time mm-hmm. just like keep going and you'll eventually hit that middle point like a lot of people i feel like give up yeah because they compare their films to the masters yeah, or, of course. Yeah. or like films that are out and mm-hmm. that's not constructive yeah. you know you you have to you have to learn and mm-hmm. and grow as a filmmaker and artist or an artist and all like that only happens when you you do stuff and yeah. you create things. Mm-hmm. So don't get caught up in, in in the idea of like being great or or having perfection yeah. in it. Yeah. Do you have yeah. any advice? Yeah, I think my advice is just to 
put yourself out there as yeah. much as possible because I also think that there's, mm-hmm. you know, I guess it piggybacks on what Susanna's saying, but like if you're not super, if you're insecure about your own work, keeping it to yourself still isn't going to make it improve. Yeah, so absolutely. if that's like, you know, just showing it to friends or mm-hmm. like, you know, joining a, a club or, you know, showing it to even coworkers, you know, yeah. like just different people, just get it get it out there even if it's in unofficial ways you know certainly like apply to festivals and stuff but just be sharing your work as you Mm -hmm. make it so that you're seeing how people react to your work I mean that's why we make movies right we want to elicit emotions from people and you don't you don't have the same perspective as somebody who's like working on it and toiling away at it day after day Mm -hmm. as somebody who's never seen it before. So those initial reactions, you just learn so much, not just about your work, but you learn Mm -hmm. about people. And I think that's ultimately what we're all trying to do here is tell stories that matter and make people feel things. And you can't do that alone in your basement. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. Well, before we sign off, I do want to ask, is there anything that y'all have coming up that we can be looking out for that you can maybe hint at? (laughs) Mm. Yes. We have something that we're developing right now uh, together and we're both working our full-time jobs (laughs) um, in film, which is great. Awesome. Uh, But... Yeah, we're we're working on our next film to be set also in the South. Nice. And yeah. Awesome. Well, we will definitely be looking out for that. Um, links to Wrestle are in the description. I highly suggest everyone go watch it. I've seen it twice, like I said. Probably see it again. It's, mm-hmm. it's very well done. And uh, I really appreciate y'all coming to the park and, and doing this. Thank this you so much. Thank you so this much. amazing. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. And if you did, be sure to leave us a rating on iTunes. It actually helps us out a bunch. And don't forget to check out next week's episode in which we will be back to our regular studio setting. But until then, I'd like to leave you with some sounds of Washington Square Park in New York City. Thank <laughs> you.